scenes and be a leader. Um, how can you embody these pieces? And when I talk about your sensual spark, I'm talking about using that juicy sensual energy, your life, energy, sexual your life energy to like create, to be seen, to be heard, to share your vision and create communities. And then, um, of course we'll have, uh, Dr. Abiola Oladoki who, is amazing and works with uh, people around PTSD. She has a nonprofit helping veterans. She herself is Nigerian royalty who joined the Air Force. And wow. I know she's got an incredible that story. so fierce. Talk about a too much woman. Ooh. I'll tell you, she is pretty amazing. And she will be leading a workshop as well. She'll be on our panel um, on Saturday. Other people, uh, Michelle Miao, former SF Pride president, mm-hmm. will be our MC. Cindy Manet uh, will uh, who is an incredible community leader, um, will be DJing and, and part of our event, uh, Maria Cardenas, um, who is uh, the founder of Chingona Goddesses Unidas. Um, Just Say Azur will be opening up with Middle Eastern... Turkish procession pieces, um, Kamala Leslie, who is incredible, um, also another sex educator and works around with women around empowering their pussies and Jade egg practice will actually have, uh, be dancing and doing some salsa and or sa- I'm sorry, samba. like, uh, strengthening, uh, you know, it's, there's so pelvic floor, strengthening? pelvic floor strengthening and there's a lot more to that. <laughs> wait, wait, Isaac, the girl's laughing at this, like it's smoke and mirrors. Cause that's what the Gwyneth Paltrow thing. They have the little stuff. It goes inside. There's just so much more to talk about on this conversation, right? The jade <laughs> egg or not the jade egg. The jade egg, egg. The that's it. The conversation, okay. right? Well, you can always just do your Kegels when you're peeing to strengthen uh, your when you're, yeah, oh. Would you like to wait? Yes, okay. Yeah. So I, I, have a, I have a viewpoint on, personally, I think everybody should do what feels good always. I definitely have a viewpoint on the tight, I have a talk called the tight pussy myth. And I think we've been cultured oh, and no, conditioned about the Kegel pussy. That's right, ladies. Put, it, bring your pussy to it, the there's gym, misconception basically. around, you know, Ke- Dr. Kegel, the Kegels were meant for uh, incontinence and had well, really yeah, nothing to do you with. You want to keep your pelvic floor strong. There's other ways. Lifetime. Actually, the, the, the best way to keep your pelvic floor strong is actually relaxing it and bringing blood flow to it, which it's totally different. It's like squats and pushing out. I mean, being somebody who dumped my Kegels about 15 years ago, I do not do Kegels. I do something called push-outs, and um, there's so much more um, availability in, um, and I, I'm, first of all, I want to say I'm not a medical professional. I am not a pelvic floor specialist. And I do know that these people who are, um, I think if you're doing Kegels and they work for you, keep doing them. And I think that we're also, um, it's been sensationalized because of this tight pussy myth and big cocks are better myth. And so we're being told that our pussies have to be tight, 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 tight and squeeze, squeeze, but we're walking around tight as fuck as women are ready. We're like, imagine doing Kegels right now. It's tense. It's like you're tensing your body. (laughs) So isn't it just okay? Right, because your practice is more about being relaxed. It's being relaxed. And And how can I relax more as I'm experiencing pleasure so I can sense more of what's going on so I can be more aware of the sensations on my body. And those those are the pieces. It's a really interesting and beautiful practice. It is, and it's, you know, there's no, I believe that there's no one better or one worse way to like understand your sexual health and well-being and whether or not you pee your pants when you sneeze when you're old that's important not it, to do that too listen we're gonna pee our pants 
at some point just you know go with True, it go with it I, for sure for sure <laughs> and so all right guys we are going to take a break right? in a minute but keep I going wanna, i don't do want to break up this conversation that helps right like a, a gynecologist gave me some exercises to do just while i'm peeing uh-huh. and you know i think that my partners probably enjoy it when my Pussy grabs onto their cock when I'm coming. Okay, right? but 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 you gotta know your you gotta know your partner's pussy, right? I, well, I I know every little nook and cranny of my lady, and and speaking of her cranny, <laughs> I love it so much it actually has its own exit strategy. Uh, oh, you should. just just Wait one sneeze and away I go. <laughs> It's done. So here's the thing, Monica, what you said is like our partners like it when we squeeze on. And this is this is the thing we've been taught. No, 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 not on purpose. I know what what I'm saying personally. What I'm saying is it's actually when we relax and we drop into our pleasure so much more. And what I found through many years of research is like the relaxing brings more blood flow there that you don't have to tighten up. And actually your pleasure becomes more heightened and full body and extended. And then that if you're doing like we're talking like you know traditional penis vagina stuff here first of all um but this is for everybody who has a vulva who wants to actually experience you know um superior experiences um you know with any kind of penetration is research has found when you're more relaxed and there's blood flow coming into your vagina through you know engorgement of the bulbs of the clitoris and then the erectile tissue that's inside the vagina. There's no pressure sensitive nerve endings right in the vagina. So like as you're bringing the blood flow in there, I'm positive. How do you know? (laughs) Why does it feel so good when people give you G-spots? Because there's nerve endings that are right behind the walls. There's, I mean, there's, it's just imagine. To me, it feels special. If you like G-spot stimulation feels special. Well, I'm not talking about, and I, I remember it in a different way in my body. When it's engorged, you can feel those nerve endings, but imagine if there were so many nerve endings in your vagina, women who are pushing out 10 pound babies, that's a, that fucking hurts. That shit hurts. So there's a, there was a plan in our biological in our biological makeup that didn't put all those nerve endings inside the walls, but right behind so that like you could still have a lot of, of pleasure. You could have pleasure without all the pain wrapped up in the pain. Right. right. And so, um, I mean, we could go, we could just read. I mean, this is where I'm getting it from, like reading, reading, reading in the gears of like, uh, hands on years of, you know, my own research and researching the interior points of my vagina too. Like, you know, I can feel like the bulbs when I'm relaxed, the bulbs of my clitoris engorging and, and they're right by what is the G spot, you know, the commercialized point. And I think it's, it's all good. This, this is like the, you know, one of those questions, like clitoral or G-spot orgasms better. No, it's oh, not a better. It's what you exactly. Like. Well, that's what, what I'm you... saying. It's it's for me. It's like it's all yummy. Like it's all good. Most people it's aren't. All even, right? Most people aren't even looking at their genitals. <laughs> so we. I mean, we'll look at. We'll we'll avoid looking at our genitals. People aren't even confronting. You know, <laughs> the very basics of like checking their stuff out, you know, and 
most most people and seeing what really yeah. happens as you do engorge right i think there's this idea that like oh the thing down there that tightens is the specific sphincter that is the introitus right the vagina the vajayjay but there's so much more musculature down oh, there absolutely. there's so your much more stuff going really... and not just your pelvic floor everything in the whole lower area right yeah. like it all comes together and when you do really engorge it isn't just at that opening spot it's into oh, the yeah, whole interior absolutely. of mm-hmm. your body which brings and your labia sensitivity open to, and yeah. everything and gets puffy and you know, deep and yeah, you engorge inside but you know people think that the opening is supposed to be tight and it's like actually when come to it your o- microphone opens up when it opens up you know the introitus starts to unfold it's like there's so there's so much more available sensation inside to be had you know there's it might feel good like here but then you're you have a a wiggling thing inside of you no i'm just i'm just i'm listening intensely i just want to make sure we're gonna we want to make sure we take a little break because we want to get to elise on mm-hmm. the phone really yeah. so let's take That's a small factor. break we're still here again make sure to get your tickets to too much woman you can get your tickets today at bitly.com forward slash too much woman sf and make sure to do it because all these things and much much more right so it's a two-day event yeah, two days, two June day 8th event, and 9th. June 8th and 9th, Too Much Woman SF at the El Cazar Theater and on Sunday at the General Assembly SF. All right, guys, here's a little bit of music, a little bit of comedy, um, and we're just going to dive right in, and we'll be back right after this with Elise, I believe. Absolutely, with Sexploration with Monica and The Edge of Insanity. Right after this. The moment in time that I believe that we completely lost our minds occurred in January of 1998. I was watching CNN when it occurred. It was 9 o'clock in the morning and they announced that the President of the United States may or may not have had oral sex with a 21-year-old in the White House. And that that, and now I'm quoting, wasn't the bad news. And I I hadn't had coffee, but I thought, that's pretty bad news. How could that not be bad news? How could that not be bad news? What else did he do? Did he break into the zoo and blow an elephant? (laughs) And they said, no. The president may have made the young girl lie. Oh, how horrible. Made her lie? That's still not the bad news, you idiots, because in order to make her lie first, he would have to take his penis out of her mouth. And the next day, and this is how I know we completely snapped, a discussion began that was so psychotic in nature I could not believe it. And it went on for months. And the discussion was, is oral sex adultery? And I thought, when did that go up for grabs? How did I miss that? God, where was I when the principal said it's Friday and we'll be having fish sticks? And with the weekend coming, remember guys, blowjobs don't count. Oral sex has to be adultery, or I spend a lot of money in therapy for nothing. (laughs) Is oral sex adultery? Yes! That's the end of the fucking argument. There's nothing to discuss. If curling is an Olympic sport... (laughs) ...then oral sex is adultery. And oral sex should be an Olympic sport. I would like to see that. 
ice skating than blowjobs? I certainly would stay through whatever commercials they had. I think oral sex should be an Olympic sport because it's harder than curling ever has been. And if you're any good at it, you deserve a medal. rise effortlessly beckoning you inside the sleek stainless steel DeLorean beautifully crafted for long life the DeLorean is one of the most awaited automobiles in automotive history drive the DeLorean live the dream today yourself sexually you know you talk about uh trying to you know like keep sex interesting in a relationship and it doesn't work it doesn't you the only thing that keeps it new pussy is the only thing that's consistently exciting but other than that like you should try everything because you will you'll try everything in a relationship if you've been together for a while you'll you know you, you can only do so much. Sex is a very narrow avenue. You only have so many holes and parts. There's only so many combinations, and you'll burn out of it. Sit on me this way, and I'm going to put my hand here, and you can put your finger there. Do we do that already? Oh, oh, then spin upside down, and now I'll put my mouth here, and you can put your hand there. Oh, did we do that too? Okay, well, why don't you dress up like this, and I'll smack you on the ass with that, and you can plug that in over there, and strap that on there and put it here and ow, 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 fuck, all right, my bad, my bad. I'm trying to think of something. Strangle me with a cord. We're running out of lubricant. Who's sober enough to drive? After a while, there's nothing left to do. I hope it comes full circle. I hope it comes all the way back to square one where at some point the kinkiest thing I can think of is I get an idea. Why don't you lay down there as awkwardly as possible. I'm going to climb on top of you. I'll be way too nervous. I'll come too quick and you start crying. How about that? We'll wait for your parents to get home. Would that be to be that easily entertained one more time? Huh? How nice would it be to be able to jack off to a National Geographic again when, when you're 12 years old? That's all you needed. And one pair of flapjack titties that give you a boner for a month. Now I need gaping anus porn <laughs> just to get morning piss with every now and then. That joke makes me laugh every now and then.
All right, there we go. A little bit of Beatles here back on the edge of Insanity as well as... Sexploration with Monica. There you go. And we've got... We're really excited to have our next guest on the show. Um, do it a photo. Apostolos of X Factor, and she's does like amazing workouts on the pole, and she's so strong and so like graceful. Yeah, I'm she's really also the owner of the premier the dance studio, pole dance studio in Santa Cruz, California. It's Steel and Grace. Um, let's give it up for Elise Apostolos, Apostolos everybody. Give it up for Elise. How are you doing? Here? Welcome to the show. Hi there, Paul and Monica. Thank you so much for having me here today. Well, thanks for being had. There you go. I'm glad you're being heard. There you go. So how's it going? Are you on the other side of the hill from us now? I am. I'm in Santa Cruz on a rainy day, and we just had our first student showcase and our one-year anniversary party last night at Steel and & Grace, and it was amazing. Well, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Our students put together some beautiful routines and got to show their sexy moves and their fitness moves and all their skills, and we had a great time. Cool. We were talking about the many benefits of pole dancing, everything from lowering your heart rate to the exercise to maybe even enriching your own uh, love life and sensuality, well, right? just your own physical expression of your body. It's true. You know, I stumbled onto pole dancing. I didn't really think, hey, I want to check out pole dancing. Mm -hmm. A friend of mine said, oh, you haven't tried this F factor yet? Just go. You're going to love it. And I went and I took a class. And I have to say, honestly, I was like, I'm not sure. This is a little sexual for me. <laughs> I was like watching these you women on the pole. You didn't feel safe doing it. I, yeah, I had all this stigma and all this mm -hmm. conditioning in my body, but I did that two-hour class, and when I got on the other side of it, I felt different than I'd ever felt in my body, and I'm a dancer. I have a background in dance and theater, and I was like, well, I don't know what this is, but I am in, and I just didn't stop. I loved it so much. And it's and such a great workout. It's an incredible workout. I'm in my 40s. I'm in better shape than I've ever been in. And it's not just the physical shape. It's emotional shape as well. It just helped me to connect to places in my body and places in my sensuality and my emotional landscape that I just really hadn't had access to. And in the process of kind of unearthing and rediscovering the fullness of who I am, I realized that there were areas that I had you know, really been shut down. And this has been a pathway for me to really open more fully into that. It's been an incredible gift. Now, cool. being a dancer before even doing pole dancing and connecting with your body that way, you know, as a dancer, you, you're always connected with yourself and your being, and it's very, you know, um, I don't know, it's definitely arts, right? So you're definitely connected with yourself and your emotions and stuff. But like you said, after doing that and after going to S-Factor, it brought you even more connected. Was that because of the vulnerability part where you have to almost really drop? When you're dancing for someone else, you're dancing someone else's choreography or you're doing something else. It's oh. a little bit different, right? When you're singing, you're, sure. when you're a singer and you're singing a cover song, it's a lot different when you're singing your own song. Your own song. Your right? Own music, it's your true. own emotion. It's true. Well, there were a couple pieces involved in that for me. One was this was the first dance class I'd ever taken where the lights were dim, there weren't mirrors, and I actually wasn't thinking about what I was supposed to do. I was 
mm-hmm. being guided into uh-huh. discovering what I wanted to do. So, so my it was about body what you were feeling. was being given a chance to just have like my own full expression in my own way. And I don't think I'd ever been taught to dance for me. I'd been taught to dance for oh. developing a skill set. Right. Now, of course, in S Factor, we're, we're developing lots of skills as well. But it's through this avenue of like, maybe your body's really going to like this language. Let's try on this move and let's try on that move. So that was one piece that was really liberating for me. Um, And the other was that, you know, in S Factor, we really are acknowledging that as women, we're incredibly sexual and sensual beings. And there aren't a lot of places in the world where we have the chance and the opportunity and the safety to get to turn that dial up and really explore what that is for us. And that was probably the biggest liberation for me because I, as a dancer, had been taught how to not be sexual so that I wasn't going to be objectified from my body. And this was like, well, I'm, no one's really watching me. This is for me, and this feels good to me, and hey, I like this. <laughs> so yeah. that was the two pieces of it that really um, supported me in opening up more fully. So tell us more about S-Factor. What does S-Factor mean? What does the S stand for? Mm. Sensuality? So we Something? We say that the F stands for the shape of a woman's body when she's relaxed into her curves. Because we have these amazing, sensual, round bodies, and we're taught to kind of keep it in a box and don't shake those hips and don't let your breath pop out too much. So the S originally was, was designed to stand for that, the shape of a woman's body and her curve. Of course, it can mean sexy, sensual, sassy, all the things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and S Factor was created by Sheila Kelly. She's the, my mentor and she created it about 17 years ago after being um, casted in a film in the role of a stripper and going to train with strippers in a strip club and in her process of getting ready for this film really She's discovering She's a professional many dancer the and things. then she had to open up to that exactly, expression. Exactly. Cool. So 17 years later, it's international. I'm one of a handful of licensed and certified teachers that teaches around the country and um I was inspired to open Steel and Grace to combine S-Factor with Pole Fitness. So now we've got a whole array of offerings here in Santa Cruz. Oh, cool. And not only cool, but um, Elise is not only a colleague, but she has been uh, one of my mentors in S-Factor. And I can tell you, I was very stubborn with this idea of being this like strong woman feminist and getting up on the pole, you know, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was resistant and I, you know, even though I, Oh, you're saying that you were resisting. Yeah. Being up on the because, pole because there's so much taboo like, and it was oh really, God, it was actually Elise who, too sh- right. Uh, too sexual, too, too, well, I'm, too I'm suggestive. A, right. And as somebody who's slutty. already, I'm already too slutty and too suggestive you're and like, all these oh, things. No, and I still, I still much. had a, I, Still, well, that's what culture no, I says. Understand. I think it's my yeah, gift in being, you know, I'm too Lucia, and that's awesome. And it was actually Elise who brought me into, um, you know, this awareness around being able to express myself in uh, such a lovely way that made made it so much fun. And, you know, holding that, and this is this piece around um, too much woman, this like um, spirituality, the sacredness, you know, that we often try to compartmentalize somewhere else um, away from sexuality. But it's all really connected is what I found. And mm, Elise amen. is, oh, she does, Same thank woman. you, Elise. You do such an amazing, um, mm. you know, you have a gift of being able to 
Hey, it's a gift to be here at Mutiny Radio. What's up, everybody? Happy Saturday night. Yeah, happy Saturday night, Val. What's up, EK? Oh, nothing much. You know, it's Saturday in San Francisco, and drinks are really expensive, so I came here. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, oddly enough, an alcohol-free zone at Mutiny Radio. I know. It's so cool. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) Anyhow, what's up? Hey, everybody. This is Global Val of Women's Magazine and the Common Thread Collective here with DJ EK of uh, Open Pages. And we have uh, planted ourselves here on Saturday nights from 8 to 10 prime time um, at least three Saturdays every month. It's true. Um, And so... Um, we've moved away from the Friday model cause I, I went and did something ridiculous and got like a full-time job. And so I, oh, Val. <laughs> I can't, did, did you display competence again? I, you know, what can I say? I, I just, I, I walk myself into situations and they become opportunities and I, I can't, you know, I can't. I guess I am kind of complaining, but I can't really complain about that. I know, but you come from a place of yes. I, <laughs> and yes. when, when like interesting opportunities come your way, you seem to often, like almost always you say yes <laughs> and brilliant things happen as a result of that. You know what? That, thank you. It's true. Thank you, EK, for being here to frame these things for me. I need that. Yes, I do. Um, interestingly enough, we were just chatting off, off air here about, the power of no. That is true. <laughs> Sometimes we have challenging situations come up. That's right. So for example, like let's say hypothetically. Okay, let's say hypothetically that you get up early on a Saturday morning to do something interesting at hypothetically the SF MoMA. And then after a really like great morning in the museum you're like walking down i guess what street is that third no actually i guess it was third but then i turned off onto mission i mean hypothetically hypothetically a person might turn on to mission to go catch the 14 to like go somewhere like maybe to the mission and so it could be any bus it could be anyone and so This hypothetical person is walking to the 14 bus, you know, to head into the mission. And this hypothetical man turns to her and strikes up conversation. And a a lovely two-block conversation ensues, at which point, you know, the 14R, the hypothetical 14R, which is sometimes a little more hypothetical than you want it to be. You mean imaginary? Well, you know, the 14R. Like it doesn't show up? It's still way better than a lot of those other R's. Remember when they were L's? Remember when they were limited and we all were happy about that? Because when they got there, they got you there faster. But now it's rapid. You have, like, higher expectations. (laughs) Like, I think the marketing ploy, like, kind of went the wrong way on this one. Well, and also, you cannot call anything Muni-related rapid. Oh Lord! And today it you was can definitely so warm. call it limited. Yes, and today <laughs> it was really warm, and it was the Folsom Street Fair. Oh, that's so, right. Oh that's my a, God! Which and it was a lot. beautiful day. Ooh, I'm sure it was an awesome day for it. Pretty but sweaty and all that bus pleather. Was just packed, like packed, packed. 
fact. Anyway, so hypothetically, this person gets on the 14R and is like, whew, you know, like, because there wasn't time for this number that this hypothetical man asked this hypothetical person for. And because this hypothetical person was so surprised and didn't know what to do, it didn't even cross their mind to be like, Oh no, I'm, I'm not interested because like, it was a really nice conversation, really flattering, but yeah, didn't he, but it was so unexpected. And then this hypothetical man must have literally run two blocks to get on the 14 R or four at the next stop. No, I guess it'd be four blocks because it doesn't stop every two blocks. Yeah. So he, this, so this hypothetical spreader like sprints <laughs> to get on at the next one and then gets on and asks her for her number. And it, and she hypothetically, because she did not know what to do, gave a fake number and <laughs> name, which is like, what are you hypothetically like 14 again? Like what the <laughs> hell happened? I thought that you were hypothetically a grown up sister. Yeah. But you know, okay. So let's talk about the power of no, <laughs> because, um, you know, it's, it's always kind of awkward when, if you're in a relationship and then somebody asks you for your, your number, cause that's like, Hey, you, you know, this is like, I want to meet you out somewhere. I'm interested. Oh, we have a phone call. Oh, we do have a phone call. Thank hey, God. should I put on some Mia Byrne? We can come back to this and talk about the power of no, but I've got some Mia Byrne queued up and then we can answer the phone. Maybe do it. Okay. Here. So, um, Mia Byrne, if you haven't heard her is an amazing artist and this is her album called as I am. Here we go with some Mia Byrne. Okay, so I'm not really sure why this isn't playing, but we're going to... There we go.
From her album as i am and you know i brought a stack of fun cds val nice i brought a few too we've got we've got plenty of tunes to roll here at mutiny radio tonight we're doing kind of a women's magazine tonight because um i haven't done a women's magazine since you know it's the summer while and uh we're now into fall so i'm having to fall back into a good habit of at least being here once a month um mm-hmm. to do some some uh, women's magazine and uh glad to have you here with E.K. Um, E.K. and I are both poets, um, as some of you who are listening to the podcast know, but maybe some of you listening live don't know who the hell we are, but that's cool. But um, we've got a guest who called in, um, so we're going to be doing some poetry tonight as well as banter and music and politics. Uh, and uh, Liz is on the phone. E.K., you want to want to bring Liz on, on the air? Yeah. So, hey, Liz Bacon, can, can you hear us? Are you there? I can. Nice. Cool. You're very, on the radio, Lee. Very clear. You're oh on Mutiny Radio. Renegade Mutiny Radio. Yes. That's right. <laughs> .fm. And when you're, and if anybody's out there listening, they may be listening live that way. But also, this podcast is available on MutinyRadio.fm under the name Friends of Mutiny. And we should tell people it is Friday, September 20, no, it's Saturday, September 28th, 2019. <laughs> yes, that's right. So Enough Liz, time. thanks for coming, calling in to be on the show tonight. Thanks so much. Yeah, what a treat. What does it mean to do a women's show? Or women's, whatever you're calling it, women's. Oh yeah, so Women's Magazine. Um, magazine. Women's mm-hmm. Magazine started at um, a local public radio station that's over here in Berkeley, California called uh, KPFA. And they, they're under 94.1 FM. They're part of the Pacifica Network, which is a, a network of truly public radio stations. So they're non-commercial. Um, and so I am 
one of the contributing producers to their show, Women's Magazine, mm. which is on Monday afternoons, 1 to 2 p.m. on 94.1 FM. And um, and then I get to outpost over here at Mutiny Radio in the Mission District of San Francisco. And so, you know, mm-hmm. it's about amplifying women's voices and uh, making sure that there is space for that. So, uh, yeah, it's it's a free. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, all 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 things free and free, free and peaceful and and you know rocking. So thanks for calling mm-hmm. in. <laughs> so awesome, awesome, excellent, yeah. So so you're I a Portland poet. I haven't done too many things like this. So so tell me uh, what uh, what all you've been politicking about. Oh well, <laughs> we were <laughs> we were right before you called. We were talking about the power of no. Oh. Yeah, that 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 age-old awkward mm-hmm. moment where somebody asks you for your phone number and you know either you don't want to or you just shouldn't give it to them because you know maybe mm-hmm. maybe you're you know involved and and EK had a hypothetical moment today where something something like that came up and she res- had no idea resorted, what to do resorted to like uh, here's a fake number, Mister. Uh- <laughs> right, right. Uh, and, my and I and feel I terrible to- about it. Yeah, yeah. My daughter and I listened to a radio show on the on the drive to school, and um, they have a loser line, like a phone number that they want women to give out to men, so oh they leave God. embarrassing voicemails. <gasps> oh, and we were talking about it, and, line. and Evelyn's like, "You should have the loser line for your dating." And I'm like, um, "How about just a no?" <laughs> <laughs> well, there's that, but no, you, you know what? Can't I have my number. I didn't even think of it, and. But also, I was flattered to be asked, and mm-hmm. it's not like he was a terrible person. Like he was a really nice man, you know. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't a loser. It's just that <laughs> I was so not expecting it, and so right. surprised, and completely. Want to be friends? Mm-hmm. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So many I know. Right. I mean, but yeah, it was just it was it was one of the, it was just this really unexpected. I mean, and it was lovely. Like, it's flattering. Yeah. Like, because yeah. he wasn't being Very gross or... Yeah. Because yeah. this wasn't mm-hmm. like a sexual harassment situation. Like, this mm-hmm. was actually mm-hmm. like someone who was really pretty cool and really nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just unexpected. We'll just go out for tea and then you'll gracefully back away. <laughs> <laughs> he He ran four blocks to catch the next bus that I was on to get my number. Oh, that's what I mean. Like, no, also, like, yeah, yeah okay. it was really challenging because I thought once I got on okay. the bus, I was done, too. So then it was double unexpected. <laughs> I think I ha- I think I, I found a line that can work. What in, is it in the, in the situation? Uh, you know, can I have your number? You could just say, I don't think that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> ambiguous. Yes. Just leave it at that. You know, Definitive. like, yeah. like, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> You actually don't want them to call you, so you might as well just mm-hmm. like let them kn- let them know. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, if I'd have thought of it, but that's the thing; it didn't even occur to me. Like none of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just yeah. didn't even cross my mind at all. As I was women, just flummoxed. Yeah, don't we have to prepare? Like we have to prepare for all these situations. Yeah, in a way, I think people don't recognize sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And like thinking about being like, I, I don't know how old your daughter is, but uh, thinking about, you know, saying, you know, you felt like you were like 14 again. Like, I mean, I would ride the bus alone by myself, like starting probably when I was like 12 or 13. And mm-hmm. if people talk to me and this was like, you know, nobody, was, the whole bus was there 
in the same room together, not uh, mm-hmm. tuned out into weird, you know, digital, uh, you know, phone space mm-hmm. like people are now. Um, you know, maybe there'd be people, someone with a Walkman on, you know, or something. So like, right. you know, you just kind of like respectfully like left people alone or like awkwardly like sat there and maybe talked to humans, which is cool. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, I just thought it had a fake name. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's probably, what, what was good idea? Yeah, name? my daughter's, uh, I'm going to be 13 next week and we're going to take a self-defense class together so she oh, can use her bus pass. And like, yeah, that's it's cool. totally entering that zone. Mm-hmm. Good, for, good for you mm-hmm. and her. Yeah. <laughs> but she also told me last week, um, she let me know I'm no longer single. What? So she has her, oh. she has her first boyfriend. <laughs> oh my God. That's so mm-hmm. cute. This is the perfect time to take a self-defense class. <laughs> exactly. All I know about him is his name is Finn, and he's really hot, and that's all you need to know, Mom. And if she knew I were saying that right now to to the world at large, she would be dying. Oh, sure. I'm surprised she even yeah. said that to begin with. I know. I know. I got that much. I was very grateful. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you know what to look for. <laughs> mm-hmm. Watch so, out for the Finns. So yeah. you're so um so you're a poet, Liz. Um, how did how yeah. how did you and you're where, where, you're up in uh, in Oregon. Yeah, I live in Portland, Oregon. I'm calling in from Chicago land area where I'm visiting my mom. Oh, nice. Needed some care yeah. this week. So, yeah. I, I wrote my first poem around here in high school. Oh, wow. Smoked a ton of pot, and it just, like, burst out of my eyeballs. <laughs> and uh, never gone back from <laughs> pot or poetry. Nice story. Yeah. 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 Smoked a bunch of pot, burst out of my eyeballs, and I never looked back. And now you're a poet. Right. <laughs> the poem That's came right. out. See what happens, everybody? <laughs> Little miracle. gateway drug to miraculous. Right. It's the gateway. Place. Marijuana is the gateway mm-hmm. drug to poetry. <laughs> <laughs> there's no money there's no fame yeah. there's yeah. just sharing a there's a lot of dreaming okay. involved there's a lot of yeah. dreaming <laughs> hey do you do you want to read us a poem Liz yeah yeah I didn't I didn't have this one on the top of the list but um when you said women's magazine um this one had said so so all right all right so I have um a manuscript of poems I wrote a poem every day in 2016 and some of them don't totally suck um so here's one of them um woman power the sweet flower between her legs the fairest bargain the truest whole taking and giving, making and being, all becomes one within and without her most real, fixing the deal, holding us tight and letting us loose, all revolves around that axis, that set, woman, power. Yeah. All right, Liz. Way to take it home. Yeah. (laughs) I love your relevance. That was beautiful. I was plucking poems from the mix. I was going to like see what you're riffing on what I should read. Yeah, for um, sure. So, you know, I write the 30 poems in 30 days for April every year. And like in the past mm-hmm. couple of years, I've been doing like the four months of the year that have exactly 30 days. And I... Love the gentle discipline of that. So, like, mm-hmm. 2016 was a pretty interesting year to choose to write a poem a day. Like, can you talk to me a little bit about, 
like what that was like and what it yielded for you and like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. go that yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, it's a few years ago now, but I mean, so, so I sort of wonder like as a manuscript how relevant it will be, but at the same time, I mean, it's, our human journeys have so many circles and it seems like we always kind of come back to places. Um, so for me, it was a, an interesting year of transition. I was pretty bored in a corporate job and I got headhunted and had an opportunity to move to Australia with my then husband um, and bring my daughter into an international experience and show her uh, that the universe didn't revolve around the United States, which mm. is an opportunity I had at her same age. I lived in China for two years in fifth and sixth grade. So it just seemed like the universe was handing me this amazing opportunity for her. But uh, we moved to Sydney, Australia. It became super difficult for, for my husband who'd never lived abroad and he became very depressed and the job was really hard and I couldn't have my daughter cause my husband was so depressed and, um, you know, she was living with her her dad um, still in Portland, and um, and then the election came along, and it was just like the entire wow. universe seemed to crumble, and just the horror, you know, of, of of what was happening on the world stage felt like it was echoing this difficult world um, I was having at home and um, living displaced. Uh, but uh, yeah, the discipline of writing the poem every day um, captured some moments of beauty and and some moments of uh, power along with with that that sort of shock and and uh disintegration right on um, that's yeah yeah that's that's a it's it's a focus mm-hmm. <laughs> for the day mm-hmm. like well, it's a relief like and- i find it like a release for the day when i'm doing like a daily practice like that like mm-hmm. even on a bad day there's 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 a way to like use some of that i suppose like mm-hmm. sort of mm-hmm. cannibalize my own life you know yeah <laughs> don't we all want to <laughs> but, but that's like creativity is a muscle it's actually i think i think it benefits from from a discipline um right on if you give you know if you have some structure i find you can innovate inside that structure you don't necessarily have to innovate the structure also I'm yeah. um, free verse woman, so I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah I'm structure. a free verse person myself, um, but the only semblance of of uh, dis- kind of discipline you're talking about is I have this one notebook, and I the only thing I write in it are haikus. <laughs> mm. That's so cool. Ooh, the haikus. I bow to you. Yeah. Because if I have a notebook, you know, and if I'm like, well, I'm going to use this notebook for like my day-to-day life and like, you know, keep important things in it and blah, blah, blah. And then it gets mm-hmm. peppered in mm-hmm. with, with poems and then it's like something else. And then oh, we're done. there's another poem. And like, I don't have you know, things that are just like complete. Well, I guess I do have some notebooks that are just poetry, but at the same time, like and I had this little thing and it's actually a Japanese mm-hmm. it's from Japan. Mm-hmm. Somebody gave it to me and I was like, only haikus. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. that's my, di- I don't do it every day, but when I do, I'm like, it's I got to do the haiku. So a little discipline goes a long way sometimes. True. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not next to the grocery list and it's more sacred. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Not my, my checking account balance when I call on the phone and scribble it down or anything. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> so, hey, Liz, do you, do you have another poem for us? Oh, sure. You do. Upper or downer? Do you want upper or downer? Um, dealer's choice. Nice answer. 
<laughs> All right, that's I'm gonna dirty go, pool, I'm gonna go. right? <laughs> no more dirty pumps. Uh, all right. Um, all right. I'm gonna go downer. All right. I think that's where my head wants to go. Um, so this poem, um, and uh, part of my, I'll, I'll like, preface it with a little personal um, info, which is uh, part of the challenge of Australia. Was um, apparently my husband was very ill, and when we came back to the states, he had got a cancer diagnosis and passed away. Um, less than oh, two months wow. later and uh, yeah it was about a year and a half ago and it's it's the journey the journey of loss continues yeah. um, so this one's called never ending loss <clears throat> um, I don't blame anyone for not sticking around whether that's this minute or in this very life I trudge at times too weighed down by work chores keeping it all going and my smile is fleeting while my sympathy lacks the follow-through that you expected. Dropping expectations may be duty number one in this day and age, for we've given up at levels the earth was not meant to reach. Still, I struggle with hope and fear in equal measure. What would be let loose if I gave it all up right now? Would there be a fresh melody or a funky rhythm or silence? The spaces seem to expand around me, these once shared spaces. As I dust and file and sort pieces of me and you, gone. In the dirt and grime of life, I see the residue of action and inaction, movement and stillness. You're never coming back here, untethering me, upending me, and the path seems bleak without you by my side, just inside, just within my ears. Increasingly hollow, moving on was never so hard as this. Yeah, Liz Bacon. Mm. Thanks for that poem. Yeah, that's 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 like a mm. a beautiful piece, and uh, yeah, it it I think it speaks to like that movement, like that musical mov- movement through grief. Mm-hmm. Nick Cave, do you know his story of grief? Tell us. Awesome, Nick. Nick Cave, um, uh, you know, musician extraordinaire, and he had mm-hmm. twin boys, and one of them fell off a cliff near his house and wow. and died. He lost one of his two twin children. That is terrible. And he he's done a couple of movies, documentaries, and the second one was after this loss, and he didn't shy away from it at all. I mean, it, it just imbues, you know, every frame. But in this one scene, he talks about, this is before I had, had this loss um, uh, still stuck with me. He just said, grief is like this uh, crater in your life, and, and you can move away from it. You can keep moving away from it, but there's this rubber band that's going to pull you back to it, and it's going to snap you back. And you pull further away, and it's still going to snap you back. <laughs> like that image. You know, it's, it's just, it is this punctuated equilibrium of, ah, oh, ha, 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 here's this wonderful thing, and then hmm. back to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those, those those unexpected moments where you don't know you weren't expecting mm-hmm. to feel a certain way, and then and then you do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So hey, Liz. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. we we were offered a, an uplifting choice. So, uh, uplifting. Yeah. 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 So like, I'm really like, I've really 
enjoyed these last two pieces, and I kind of really want a sample of the whole range of Liz Bacon. All right. <laughs> so, um, so this one, uh, EK, is, is uh, part of um, the journey um, with our mutual friend Charlene. We were on a wonderful, ridiculous um, Bacchanalian uh, girls weekend, and we did this wine tour in Santa Barbara. And I just finally understood wine. Like, I'm not really a drinker, as we discussed. I'm a big pothead um but but so, so this, is, this is a poem called wine that i wrote um last month <clears throat> wine oh dionysus bless this grape and vine bless the stewards of the terroir who tease the taste of the earth and rain from these clusters a world of lovers floats in the minerals and i connect through the flavors of cherry and plum of apples and peaches, of clouds and rubber, and even smoke, but not mirrors. <laughs> We're each our own blends with notes and medleys from lands disparate beneath the heavens, but we're united in savoring the fruits of this earth. Inky bubbles and garnet legs and these carnelian highlights sparkle in our eyes and between our fingers as all the senses throb across the spectrum. <laughs> wine is refuge and wine is escape. It brings us home and sends us out, never the same twice. <laughs> yeah, that was a wine tasting weekend, all right. Yeah, exactly right. Never the same twice. We, my friends and I always say wine drunk is a, is a special kind of drunk. It sure <laughs> is. Yeah, it is. Oh, all the alcohols are special, but wine, indeed, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah, it's his own mm -hmm. thing. I'm not a wine drinker either. Like, I'm, I'm the person who will be like, if if you're really that fun enough and you're going to actually go wine tasting, I might drive mm -hmm. you. I might drive you. <laughs> oh, perfect. Exactly. I've been the designated driver on so many wine tastings. Yeah. <laughs> and this time we had a bus and I just enjoyed. Mm -hmm. That's a lot so, of fun. A little bit of everything. Thank you so much, ladies. This was well, thank you, Liz Bacon, yeah. for like calling in from two hours that way in the time zone like it's in the future in the future you yeah from calling from the future, in the future. <laughs> <laughs> it all's well we're the just, future is bright mm -hmm. we're, yeah we're just here in the the edge of the western world over here and yeah no mm -hmm. it's so it's really good to connect with you and and thanks ek for suggesting the the range of of things because you know i feel like there's so i mean there's kind of endless things that we can write about and when when we're when you're a poet it these various things come up like i you know people will ask me it's like well oh you're a poet well, what kind of poetry do you write and i'm like i don't have an answer for you i really i don't you know like i didn't i don't have an mfa so i'm not going to get into some sort of like you know theoretical academic, academic you know i'm not going to talk to you you know yeah. i'm not going to like uh, reference like you know various texts of poetry that you know i was forced to read or anything like that like <laughs> i mm -hmm. just mm -hmm. there's so many different things that come up and like 
I think as a creative person and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the process of doing it and the processing of our emotions as we mm-hmm. live things and as we react to things. Mm-hmm. And like the fact that you can have that poem, like that really fun poem about wine or wine trip with your, with your girls. And like, and also like that really like, like just so, so real poem about your experience of losing your husband and and going through that that process of grief like you'll always have that poem and you'll Mm -hmm. you'll read it again and again and you'll feel certain ways about it and like things will change like you know like for example like let's talk about 2016 Mm-hmm. <laughs> big year everybody um mm-hmm. that i had a, i had a lot of poems and ak i think you and i had a, t- a discussion about this back then like i had these poems that i had been reading you know kind of like before the election like before 2016 you know and there there were some pieces that i really liked and enjoyed and i felt like it had a um like a, a good angle and a voice that i wanted to put forward and after the election and when i re- went back and i read them again they did were did not sound the same and i was like that's not those are not actually what I want to say anymore yeah mm-hmm. I totally remember the conversation that we had because mm. what I remember saying was that the context has changed around my poetry yeah and mm-hmm. I I was telling you Val that I felt like some of the pieces that I have because of the shift in the political context were coming off way more radical than Mm. they had been before like than intended Mm -hmm. but now when I was reading them because people around me had changed like they were like oh those new poems and and they were actually not being recognized as these poems that I had been doing for Mm. a while like they came off as new pieces Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and because I remember you definitely also had feelings about how your poems had changed because people's minds had changed and feelings had changed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and mine, it became my, more important to have the poetic voice in there. Call it, call out the ugliness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so the, the shifting nature of, of art, I mean, talk about going to the, <laughs> the museum of modern art today and like poetry is art. And, mm-hmm. You know, if mm-hmm. you watch an old film, um, and you, it, the perspective, you know, our own perspectives change when we read it or see it or hear it or, um, but there's always something that we connect to because it's part of us. So, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, art, art always is, exists in a context and, and you can pretend it doesn't. <laughs> but it does. It, uh, it has yeah. more truth, I think, when you acknowledge that and, and I, see I, its evolution. Mm hmm. Yeah, it, it yeah, it's an evolution, and I think maybe to wrap up this segment a um, a little bit is I I've been watching the Ken Burns documentary on the history of country music in the United States. Oh yeah, yeah, I caught a little tonight. Mm-hmm. Oh man, there's eight two hour episodes, and I think I only missed one of them. Like oh great, yeah. It, it I mean Ken Burns, you know, he just does so much uh, with 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 what he has and and he puts it together Mm -hmm. in these really eloquent ways and 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 weaves Mm -hmm. you know the american experience together in such a way that you're like yes that is true like i feel that even though Mm -hmm. i don't have that like contextualizes it yeah 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 Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. he was talking it was country music and it was um 
So he got up to Tammy Wynette, right? Who we all know as singing mm-hmm. like Stand By Your Man, right? Which she didn't write. And that was another thing about the country music. It was like, it was like there were so many different songwriters and then other people would do the you mm-hmm. know, song. So anyhow, but she got, you know, she got really famous for Stand By Your Man. But ironically, she got She was married like five times. Yeah. Um, um, but... <laughs> But she was married to another um, country singer, very, very famous uh, man named George Jones. And they were this famous country couple. They call themselves Mr. and Mrs. Country Music at, mm-hmm. for a time. And it was like he was an alcoholic and she it was just always kind of contentious. And, you know, this, you know, a rough, a rough road, kind of, let's, let's say. Punctuated um, with fun, no doubt. Yeah. And like there was definitely you could see like, you know, real like he was really, really in love with her, but, you know, he had alcoholism and all this stuff. And so at some point they actually divorced. And then she sang the song, um, till I can make it on my own. And so, Ooh. so I want to, I would like to play Tammy Wynette All right. till I can make it on my own. And so right. I'm going to put this level up and we'll put the sub mixer up there. EK right there and hope that my my little device here actually works and yeah stay 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 on the line and listen to the song Uh, thank you thank you it's glad to hear from you let's see if it plays hopefully there's not a an advertisement first Get you up my mind And I may sometimes bother you Try to be in touch with you Even as too much of you from time to time Now and then Lord, you know
so you're listening to women's magazine here at mutinyradio.fm and that was that was tammy wynette till i can make it on my own and this is ek keith here and val ibarra and i are two stepping with heartache on a Saturday night in San Francisco. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's been a good night. We, we just had Liz Bacon, a Portland poet reading some poetry and yeah, from Chicago, actually. Yeah. From right. Chicago. She's, she's moving around a little bit, but I think her home base is Portland. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, whew. That is a good choice, Val. Well, you know, it's interesting because I grew up in a household where I had a whole spectrum of different musical genres from different times, you know, um, from the crooners of the 40s and 50s that my parents listened to. Mostly my dad was all into that. He loved like, and then like the rock and roll aspect, like dad loved Chubby Checker. But then even (laughs) before that, like, you know, older music and and like um, things that came out of musicals and Um, My mom's a huge jazz fan, you know, like she was, um, and, and, and then with my brothers and I, you know, like my, they're, you know, they kind of grew up in the 60s, 70s. And so the huge influence of, of rock and roll and funk music and like country rock style, classic rock, you know, Leonard Skinner for parks, Cory (laughs) Hemplow, you know what I mean? Like those kind of things. And, and then like, and then you know, just, just this real wide range of music and the blues and, and, and all of these different things. And, um, country music was never something that was ever fixated upon, even though I was aware of country music as like, kind of like country in the classic rock sense, you know, you hear it in, um, like Creedence Clearwater Revival, you hear it in all of these different rock groups, like the Almond Brothers and stuff like that. So like, I knew that like I had, uh, there was like some country styles that I, that I liked, but let, I, I, I can only recommend that if you have 16 hours of your life over the next few weeks in a public rate, public uh, television station that is showing the Ken Burns history of country music documentary, do yourself a favor and watch it. Um, it really puts so many different things into context. They focus a lot on Johnny cash. Oh, sure. Um, uh, he kind of gets woven through a lot of it and man in black. Yeah. But you know, I mean, he had a variety show. He had his own Johnny cash show that was filmed in the grand old Opry, um, in Nashville, the Ryman auditorium. And he had everybody on his show and he pissed off the network so many times with people that he brought on there. He would always start with a gospel choir. I, I mean, he brought on Ray Charles. He sat there with Bob Dylan and sang a duet. Like, I mean, there was just so many people that he brought on. I mean, he brought on Chris Christofferson, yeah. um, you know, who was already a songwriter, but, you know, not like, hey, in the lim- limelight of history, Chris Christofferson, um, who's also interviewed in the uh, in the documentary, too. So did did, did they did they have a whole show about Dolly Parton. Dolly, Dolly is definitely, <laughs> definitely there. Girl from East Tennessee. You know, I, I saw her at the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival years ago. I didn't know yeah. Dolly Parton came to the Hardly Strictly. Oh yeah, dude. <gasps> with, with 
big hair and a uh-huh. big blue dress. Oh, my God. Oh, she was so <gasps> charming. Oh, she is. Yeah, she talked about, and this was years ago. This was like over 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, I, I, and I she totally talked about, like, she, she had her memories of coming to San Francisco and in the 60s uh-huh and the <laughs> things that she did and the people she hung out with and it was like oh dolly you live some life lady <laughs> <laughs> well you know she what i didn't think about it and then it came up in the um documentary and then i was like oh wait a second maybe somewhere in my brain i knew that you know she wrote the i will always love you that whitney houston sang oh that's that, very interesting she wrote that and that became one of her breakout hits after she left her like first producer who she was with for a really long time. Um, as soon as she kind of, that was her breakout solo, um, thing. So interesting. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Like watch the documentary and you'll, you know, for everybody out there. And I mean, I know you're, you grew up in Houston, Texas. Oh yeah. So like, yeah, for me, like different from, I guess, growing perhaps, up, perhaps, yeah. cities in california like definitely country music is sort of if if not your main form of music it's in the background and it's mm-hmm. around all the time yeah yeah here you know the city girl on the west coast you're like country music whatever <laughs> but um like kind of kind of don't think too much about it or you kind of if you do hear some you know maybe you get that kind of whiny whiny kind of song sometimes but the the way they tell the story and the way it all comes together it's like it really i have a newfound appreciation for it well and you gotta listen to some willie nelson oh willie nelson of course he was in there (laughs) he was in there he was a renegade you know he didn't he didn't fit in in the in the nashville you know sound and he's like i'm going back to texas and i'm gonna have (laughs) giant parties for fourth of july and i think he might still do that the willie probably does i went to willie's family picnic you did yeah i went one time um in austin and I think it was 2004. It was right before I moved to San Francisco. And because yeah, I'm not sure if he's still running, but Willie is also a runner. And so there's like a fun run and a big farmer's market and kind of craft fair that goes along with this like all day music festival. And it is fun from beginning to end. So yeah, I like ran in the fun run. Like, you know, of course that year this is a while back now like willie ran in the fun run everybody runs in the fun we all get we all run in the fun run you know do your like five or ten k and then you know eat all this like amazing like a lot of organic food and like beautiful crafts and lots of great music like all day and you know it's like austin in the summer so it's nice and cool <laughs> Yeah, it's hot AF, and it's totally worth it. Like, it's a really good time. So, I don't know. I don't know if the family picnics are still going on or not. I sure hope they are. Yeah, cause, I Because it was a blast. I went with my brothers and my sister. It was pretty cool. Sounds like a good time. Yeah. Good summer fun. Um. So, should we... S- listen to some more music well we could we could uh, you know uh, can, can i make a transition of summer fun to yeah. to autumn yes because we have just entered 
autumn. The equinox just yeah. happened. Yeah, just a couple of days ago, really. We're, today is the the new moon yes. in Libra, by the way, <laughs> if anybody out there is astrologically inclined. Um, and uh, yeah, the, the equinox was just about three or four days ago, maybe two or three days ago. So we here in the Northern Hemisphere have officially dipped. The sun has dipped below the equator. Yep. And so we have uh, is fallen in that sense. So hence the fall. You gonna read us a poem, Val? I am. I love that. Yep. Autumnal equinox, when the sun tumbles over the equator, falling further away for a while. A whisper, good night, from the lips of a wintry dreamer. Sleep tighter, while the other side grows brighter. Start to share the warmth with the remainder. A reminder that we can't have it all. The time that we fall beneath and besides into the peripheral sight of the great light. Oh, Val, from the lips of a wintry breather. Dreamer. Oh, dreamer. That is beautiful. Thanks, CK. Yeah. I love your words, Val. Let's thanks ek you know i i'm your fan club i thank you <laughs> i'm in your fan club too <laughs> hey whoever out there is listening i hope you're enjoying this this show tonight um we're certainly happy to be here and grateful to be here at mutinyradio.fm we are a totally community-based radio um internet station uh we are not like corporately sponsored obviously uh it's all on the internet so we're we're not on the airwaves so we can say fuck yeah um it's free speech uh it's free form and it's about you know having a space where people can be creative and express themselves and have a voice and if you are for example, a poet or a musician, you're certainly welcome to come and check out Mutiny Radio. We're on the corner of 21st and Florida Streets in the Mission District of San Francisco. Um, there's often a, there's often open mic opportunities uh, happening. And EK, why don't you tell them about, so this is the fourth Saturday. So we're doing a women's magazine installment tonight with Friends of Mutiny. But would you tell them uh, about your third Saturdays uh, that you do here, same time? Well, so on third Saturdays, we're doing a show called Open Pages, and it's pretty simple, Val. It's features followed by an open mic, and um, I've also been featuring uh, some pretty cool music just for a little break for the listener and the, the live audience in between the segments. So yeah, it's been pretty cool and pretty fun. And, uh, we've, we've had some cool features. Charlie Yetter came out last week and that was really fun. And one of my features, something happened. And so she's going to be rescheduled Maud Alcorn from Oakland because she is amazing. She is a very dynamic poet and I love her words. So uh, we're going to put her on the calendar a little later in the year. And then Vince Calvarese came out and then, you know, some, some usual suspects and some unexpected people showed up and 
you know, it's an, it's an open mic. And so on third Saturdays from eight to 10, anybody who wants to, you know, make, make a little journey into the mission and show up over here at the mutiny radio studio at what is it? 2781 21st street in San Francisco, California cross street is Florida street bring some poems and show up or, you know, it's, it's open pages. So if you have some other words, like an excerpt from your memoir or novel or some flash fiction, any of the wordy arts are, are, are welcome at open pages. But you know, like there is a poetry bias because I suppose that's my bias, but I'm open to challenging that bias and well, welcoming all the wordsmiths over here at Mutiny Radio. So it, it's been fun. So we've had two shows and right on. I'm going to keep going. Right on. So open pages every third Saturday night, 8 to 10 p.m. here at 21st and Florida Streets in the Mission District of San Francisco. DJ E.K. Keith will be here, here on site to say welcome to the open mic. Um As of right now, these podcasts are on the website, mutinyradio.fm, and they are under the the uh, index called friends of mutiny. So um, if you were here or your friend was here and they were performing, find out what that date was. And then they can look at look at friends of mutiny and find that the date for that podcast. And it will be there. Um, Do do a little do a little Internet digging, folks. Um, But I'll try to post them to in various places um i think we're on itunes actually are we i think we are that's very exciting i believe we are i believe it's a thing i mean there's various shows there's like 35 40 different shows at the station so most of them are also hooked up to itunes and i think friends of mutiny is also there too it'd be under the free podcast but (laughs) the funny thing is there's so many comedy shows at the station that whoever actually set it up I think we're under the comedy free free comedy podcast of uh, iTunes, and if you think we're funny, well, I don't Maybe know. Maybe we are. Maybe we are, especially um, if you're looking for comedy. Yeah, we're not really trying to be funny, <laughs> but it kind of reminds me of remember the Saturday Night Live when they did the the um, the radio show where it was like the two ladies talking about food. Oh, that's totally us. <laughs> Except we talk about weird bus rides. And stuff. <laughs> They're like. Rice <laughs> <laughs> and Alec Baldwin, Alec Baldwin, sweaty balls. You know what I'm talking about, folks. If that's how you feel about poetry, hey, you know what? You're still listening. So EK is going to play some more music for us, some more Mia Byrne, yeah, uh, from the album As I Am, yeah, which this is, is Leave on the Next Wind. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, this is Mia Byrne. Y'all. Mia Byrne. Leave on the next wind. Warm current rising Where the Southland begins Leave on the next wind Leave on the next wind With the red tail hawk circling When the tree branches thin Leave on the next wind Leave on the next wind 
soft sun is shining you'll find me on the drifts of the quietest waves where stones become tossed into pebbles and turn to sand That arrow is pinned Leave on the next wind song it's so good and seasonally appropriate yes and you know kind of got that country thing going on so um the theme emerges as diamond (laughs) dave would like to say is is want to say he's often the theme emerges uh you're listening to women's magazine here on mutinyradio.fm i'm global val here with dj ek keith um happy to be a sister in arms here uh doing doing the show on a saturday night um i like this i, I like i like little fourth saturday women's magazine friends of mutiny yeah i think it, it feels right doesn't it it does yeah it feels like the right time and the right place yeah i'm, yeah. I'm in so now you've got some poetry. What's going on in that notebook of yours there, EK? Well, I've been writing a poem a day in September because there are 30 days in September. April, June, and November. Yeah. 
And, and so this is something from a little bit earlier in the month. Um, you know, nature has been on my mind a lot, Val. I know. And I'm, I, I feel very honored. I, I got to march with the kids on Friday last week. Yeah. The climate strike. Yeah. And, um, do it. It was really inspiring. There were a lot of children there, like not, not just teenagers, but like kids, really like elementary kids and babies. There were a lot of moms and babies. It was, it was, uh, it was amazing. And I, I heard like after the fact that they estimated that there were like 40,000 people in attendance in San Francisco. Amazing. Yeah. I saw some pictures and some video and I was blown away. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It was really, really beautiful. And, um, so yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about these big issues and, and, uh, so that's what this poem is about. I hope we don't die of the consequences of our rationalizations and denial of responsibility for the plight we're in. Everything is changing and not enough people are scared. We can do better. Small changes lead to large changes. How much do you love your children? How much do you love yourself? Mm. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, I was thinking in the other coming over here tonight, um, So Bernie Sanders in in his, you know, aggressive climate plan, kind of a, you know, kind of a Green New Deal aspect, right, of of totally revamping our industries and, and economies and things like that. And the price tag on it, and Naomi Klein weighed in as well, um, who's written extensively about climate change and climate crisis, Um and she weighed in on, on, on his plan and it's a, a 200 billion would be $200 billion plan. Now, now you, you and I, everyone's like $200 billion. Well, I, and who cares? To, to put us into perspective here yeah. and, and well, first of all, who cares? <laughs> right. But it's worth it. Yeah. Right. I mean, why should there be a, a price on, on, on pre- preserving life and the on environment? Earth. Life on Earth, folks, two hundred billion. It's, it's cool. A, it's cheap. It's a deal at twice the price. It is. It is cheap because I was thinking um, we uh, they bailed out the banks in two thousand eight for a cool eight hundred billion dollars. There you go. And every <laughs> single fucking year, last year was seven hundred and seventeen billion. This year it'll be seven hundred and thirty-three billion dollars going to the uh part of the national defense budget which is basically like military budget sure so you know uh, 
like you said so for just for for the low low price of two billion dollars for the low low price of 200 billion dollars folks 200 billion we can we can revitalize our country and save the planet right create jobs and save the planet yeah and i saw a great great idea i saw a great (laughs) meme earlier today too which was hey Even if you don't think climate change is real and you think the science is shit and you, (laughs) don't you think it would be nice if we just like made the changes anyway and we like congratulate ourselves for living a healthier life on this planet? (laughs) Like you don't have to believe every single thing, every single scientist says, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, in, in various ways, shapes and forms, but when it comes to like, common sense and science you can easily point to the fact that we shouldn't be polluting our rivers um we shouldn't be uh, mass producing plastic um which then you know we use and it goes into the waterways and kills the, the sea life and we have a huge giant continent of plastic floating in the ocean like there's just like really common sense things around this that you know you can tell your weird uncle who doesn't believe in climate change and for some reason thinks donald trump is a great guy you know it's like come on folks (laughs) i mean what about like toxic chemicals it's fun (laughs) well right (laughs) you know what come on i'm just gonna say Everybody likes to breathe clean air. Yes. Like there isn't anyone who has lungs that doesn't like to breathe fresh air. Like it's part of how we're built. Like no one really likes pollution. Like we deal with it. We adapt to it, but nobody really likes it. And everybody knows that there are consequences to that, which are, you know, sort of dire physiological often death bringing consequences that true that we adapt ourselves to yeah unfortunately and if there's a better way like why not right (laughs) why not why not why not like have cleaner air and cleaner water yeah and 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 it's so tied into everything else this is i mean oh we live in a really amazing era right now because everything is so tied into each other. We're seeing, uh, and we can see it and we can talk about it. Like, uh, climate change is, a, you know, it has so many different economic ramifications as you know, of well, but it's also the result of, of, of so many economic systems. So for example, um, you know, uh, on the first, on the, on the first example, first end, uh, you know, if you live in, in a poor place, uh, you can't fight back against the powers that be so that, you know, let's say there's a pipeline that comes through and it's interrupting your clean water system, but you don't have any political power. So you're poor and you're suffering from, uh, you know, environmental degradation and, and danger to to your life source of water. Um, but then there is, uh, you know, another aspect of the fact that my car runs on gasoline, but I can't afford an electric car. Right. 
I bought my 20 year old car for thousand dollars like five years ago <laughs> because I needed to get around in different ways. Public transportation does not fulfill everybody's needs, even in great places like Tokyo where things are actually on time. Like there's going to be individual use of vehicles and, and there should be less of that in urban areas where we can have more reliable transportation, but honestly level the playing field and make electric cars affordable. So I can plug it into my solar panel and, and, and participate in that. Right. We have to stop privileging clean living and like organic food and buying food. That's not wrapped in plastic Yeah, is more expensive you know, and so if if you are feeding your family, it's difficult to afford things that like it's hard to reduce your plastic. Like I've been I've been actually experimenting with not buying plastic. Yeah, it's and hard. It's very difficult. It like, is. Because almost everything is wrapped in plastic now, and. And there's a lot of ridiculous reasons around that. Like the over packaging is just, it's, it's way out of control Mm -hmm. that like, it's hard to find lettuce at a regular grocery store or a specialty grocery store that's not wrapped in plastic. Like, please stop wrapping the lettuce in plastic. Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) And, but it's, and it's not just lettuce. It's all like almost all the vegetables. Like it's very difficult to buy everything that you need without purchasing plastic. Like to, and to do that is often a greater expense. Mm -hmm. And it shouldn't be, it should not be like, I mean, organic, you know, certification, although of course we, we want it to be actually be organic. So it's nice to, to like say that we have things in place that are going to guarantee that, but they have to pay to get that kind of inspection. Yes. So it's not cheap. cheap. And so it's, you know, it, it, anyhow, (laughs) (laughs) grow your own food. It's a good time, you know, here in the Bay area, I just, I planted some seeds last week. About yeah, about uh, maybe two weeks ago. What'd you plant? Already growing, carrots, lettuce, onions, and chard. And the chard came from the seeds of last year's plant. Very cool, Val. It's the first time, actually. No, well, last year I harvested some radishes, radish seeds. This is the first time I've harvested chard seeds, and I have a ton of them. So, ooh, I want some of those. I'll, I should have brought some tonight. <laughs> I, am, I don't always think of things in the right order. I can't remember <laughs> the author's name, but I'm reading a book called Indoor Edible Gardens. Oh, and edible. so I'm actually because right because I have no outside space, so I've decided like to prioritize growing things in the indoor spaces that I do have because mm-hmm. I at my workplace I have skylights and in my home I have a window mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's it's a really good book and so I've been getting inspired to actually grow and and I want to grow things that I can eat 
you know, like how great would it be if there was enough chart at work that when I forget my lunch, I can just snip a few leaves here and there and like make myself a quick salad. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So I, this is where I like to remind folks that you can have a garden in a space the size of your television. It's true. Or, or your computer. Do you have some music you're going to play? I, you know, I do because I felt like the vibe was shifting. We got a little more energetic and okay. I randomly came across a CD from my favorite Austin, Texas band from the (laughs) nineties. I love it. They're called Sin Cola. Sin Cola. Yeah. And this is an album that's called what the nothing head said. (laughs) It's a very nineties title. (laughs) It is, isn't it? Um, and, and this track is called Hey Artemis. So here's a little blast from my Texas past with some Sin Cola. Hey Artemis. Father, he used to like me. 
So that's Sincola with a track called Hey Artemis. They were my favorite band from Austin in the 90s. And, you know, I have to say it's been well over 10 years since I've listened to this album. And I thought that was a different song. Like, I love that song, but there's another song on here that I was thinking of that we'll figure it out. It, do- it sounds like the 90s, though, doesn't it? It, it sounds like the 90s. 90s were really fun. I had a, I had a pretty great time in the 90s. Yeah, the 90s. Well, the first half. That's that's <laughs> interesting. I I I had fun in the second half. I am so glad that I, we each had a half of the 90s that was. At fun. least, at least, actually, you know what? No, there was it was a fairly decent decade. I felt like the the music got was better earlier in the 90s than later in the, in the mid 90s was really good and then then it kind of because there was a big consolidation of radio stations in the yes, late 90s that is true they started to play all the annoying shitty music you know like train and <laughs> i well, mean sorry it, things got <laughs> really, sorry sorry, sorry folks oasis sorry, you really got overplayed you yeah, know well and yes there was the over there was like a big homogenization like there just wasn't there wasn't the uh variety yeah. that that we saw like in the 80s and early 90s because yeah. of that consolidation so and then it's, it's, all, it's all kind of gone downhill and now everything's like overproduced and there's a bunch of weird whiny stuff that happens with electronic reverb. Well, but now we have the internet. Like it's really interesting how the media environment has again, like exploded with so many different types and styles of music. And there are more ways than ever to get your music out there. Or your poetry or whatever True. it is that you have that True. people can listen to. And, you know, so it's it's fascinating. But even though, like, I would say that the airwaves are still a little bit constipated because... Yeah, pop pop is lame. Well, Modern some pop of it's really fun, really but it it's still really limited and like who who gets those opportunities to be on yeah. the airwaves yeah and if you ever like just like i mean i because i have a 20 year old car i listen to the radio <laughs> same and uh i mean flipping around and just like i don't know a lot of things that get modern airplay they have really like this not uplifting music it's no, you not know uplifting. and there's like it's not fun it's like music's supposed to make you feel good. Maybe it makes you cry, but it, 
it shouldn't be like somewhere in between where like it's pretending to be fun, but it's actually giving you this like really shitty message. <laughs> oh, I know. I mean, that's, that's it's like dark, you know, it's like there's like a song, there's a song they play on Live 105 that's like about um, like suicide and fucking Xanax and like yeah. Ad- Adderall. I'm like, what are you? Why? 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 First of all, the song sucks. Second of all. Why are you picking up this song as something that, you know, you think you'd want to share with people? Like, I mean, I'm not saying like hide things in the dark, but at least have it be a good song. And it's not a good song. It's a terrible fucking song and it's a terrible message. And it doesn't like lend itself to any like uplifting message within it. It's just bullshit. Well, and art doesn't have to be uplifting. No, it doesn't. And that song has a place, but I agree with you. Like, why, why does that song be the one that is highlighted? Yeah. When it isn't every, like, it isn't everyone's experience. And, and and it's sort of painful to listen to. Like, it is. Why do you want to give somebody that experience? You know, why do you want to give the masses that experience? And over and over and over and over again. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like that's bad propaganda, folks. Here at Mutiny Radio, we're all about positive propaganda. <laughs> so, which is why I'm thanks play for listening. Another song from Sincola. Yeah, let's do it. Well, and this one, we have about ten more minutes of, of the show. Yeah, this one's really fun. It's it's called it's called it's called bitch. <laughs> Sounds very uplifting. Yet very uplifting. I could 
yes, there was a pit and I was in it. <laughs> right that was, on. That was Sincola, a track called Bitch from an album called What the Nothing Had Said. Yeah. They were my, my favorite band in Austin in the mid-90s. And to kind of like tie back a little bit to what I was complaining about before, I'm not, I, I believe that there is absolutely room in music for all sorts of things and all sorts of topics and things do not need to be uplifting or happy. However, when you put some like punk rock beat to something, it's a different expression than to have a really strange, like just, just like unchanging flat, Mm. uh, whininess, (laughs) which is how I, I listen to modern, I hear modern music sometimes like there's, I don't, I don't, again, my ignorance, forgive it, but there's another song that they're playing on the radio and someone has done some female voice, I believe they've redone like a sublime song. Interesting. But it's not interesting. Oh, it's, that's a shame. It's a terribly flat, nothing, nothing. It was terribly flat presentation. Yes. It's, it's, oh. I'm like, why? Like it, it, it's the, um, it takes everything out of context and like, and like numbs it. <laughs> it's really weird. I'm like, why is this on the radio again? I'll be blunt again, again without the charm. I'll be blunt. No charm, no charm, charm free cover music. Charm-free. <laughs> is- <laughs> unacceptable everybody like i mean if you're gonna do a cover it should be really cool it should be um speaking of speaking of cover clock speaking of coverage so what something i like to do every time there's an election season oh yeah that's happening i call it global val's election season coverage and um (laughs) here's the three minute version uh you should register to vote Um, We have an election coming up here on November 5th, 2019, and uh, a couple of reminders about that. So on election day, it's always on a Tuesday. Um, Just remember that your employer is federally obligated to let you take time off to go vote. Um, If you, of course, if you have a regular day, polls open, stay open until eight o'clock that night. If you arrive and you're in line when polls technically close, you still have the right to vote. So it doesn't mean that they should turn you away at eight o'clock. If you're in line, you have the right to vote. Um, Also, if you are a young person, as I'm sitting here talking with EK, who is a teacher, a librarian, works with young people, high school students, um, the registration, uh, voter registration, you're supposed to register to vote by October 21st. However, if you're not 18 by October 21st, but you will be 18 by election day, you can still register to vote. So, so, um, just as a reminder, you know, if you're a, if you're a November 1st and November 3rd or November 4th baby, if you're a November 5th baby, that's okay. You can still register to vote. Um, however, what, um, in addition to that, um, 
San Francisco provides specifically San Francisco provides even more opportunity that if you are not registered to vote, you can actually show up at the Department of Elections at City Hall on Election Day and vote and they'll give you a a ballot and there will be a provisional ballot, but you'll vote that day and they'll count it later. So we have actually on site registration opportunity in San Francisco. That's awesome. Which is big deal. Um, um, Remember, you can also um, vote even if you um, were previously in prison. Um, That's progressive right there. Well, like it's time to enfranchise people who have done their time. Yeah. So in California, um, you cannot, you still cannot vote if you are on parole. So if you've been released from prison and you're on parole, which usually lasts about two or three years during that time, you're not allowed to vote. Um, there is some legislation working its way through the California legislature called ACA six. Um, that's trying to get that passed so that people on parole in California can vote. Cause there's probably about 50,000 people who that counts accounts for. It's a lot uh, of votes. That's be a lot of votes. So, um, anyhow, uh, even if you're not quite sure, about your voting status. If you don't remember if you registered or if you moved, um, you know, you can always, it's easy enough to go online. You know, I think it's like CA registered to vote, California registered to vote. You can call the department of elections at San Francisco city hall. Very helpful. People will talk to you and tell you what's what, but November 5th is our election, um, coming up here in the city. Um, what is my three minute version has turned into a two minute more version. Um, (laughs) Interestingly enough, usually in San Francisco, we have about 50 million things that we're voting on. And I play like some random little ABC song uh, from the internet. But I don't even have to because there's only like five propositions this time. That's it? That's it. And most of the elected officials that we're um, electing, um, are uh, some of them are running completely unopposed. <laughs> That, that makes things pretty easy. It does, but there is a new ranked choice voting system. Oh, so, talk about that. So ranked choice voting has always been a, a little confusing, but basically, like, let's say you have three or four people running, and um, you you can just vote for one person, and that's fine, um, but you could also vote for uh, all of those people, uh, the three of those people, and say, well, this is my first choice, this other person is my second choice, this other person is my third choice, and then... Uh, this time it, it's always been designed to do this, but the ballot hasn't been um, ready yet. They've expanded it to not just three choices, not just one rank, one, two, three. You can rank up to 10. Wow. If there were 10 candidates, which there are not for any of these uh, races this time, um, if there were 10 candidates, you could technically rank one through 10 who are your first choice and through your last choice. So, um, so the, the ballot looks a little different. So just be really careful and read the instructions and look at the example ballot because, um, it's, it doesn't look exactly the same as it has the past few years. Um, and if you mess up, then you, your, your ballot will like not be counted if you, so, so you really have to pay attention to what they're asking you. Don't vote for the same candidate twice. That's kind of the most important thing I see now it's 10 PM. Yep. 
Thanks for listening, everybody, <laughs> to MutinyRadio.fm. That's right. So the auto, auto podcast for Friends of Mutiny is closing up, but we are still talking and hopefully <laughs> and we're recording this um, somewhere. So uh, we'll try to get it up on the Women's Magazine Index um, in the next couple of weeks or so. That'd be nice. Yeah. But get out there, register to vote, fucking vote. Um, and <laughs> also, hey, if you want to be a poll worker, you can actually work 